What is up, ASM? I am so excited to be back with you. I'm actually super honored to be wrapping up the book of James with you this week. Uh, we have been doing this for a few months now, and hopefully you have enjoyed this book as much as we on the ASM staff have. Uh, it's been an amazing book, and we've covered lots of topics, things like trials and endurance, God's generosity, uh, mercy, the love of money, uh, even swearing and wisdom, and so many more. If you could think back to the very first week, we asked you to look at the topics and think about what you might be nervous about. Think about what you might be excited for. Can you think back and remember what that was? I wonder if it really panned out to be as bad as you thought it was if you were nervous about it. But this week, we are talking about getting lost. I tried to think about the last time that I got lost, and it was a pretty easy story to remember. I'd gotten lost several times as, uh, when I've been younger. I've gotten lost when I'm driving. But I remember this summer after ASM one night, Austin and I looked at each other, and at the same time, we pretty much almost said, let's go hiking. So right after we cleaned up everything from ASM, we each went home, packed up our stuff. We picked up my friend Matthew, and we just drove straight to the North Cascades. Uh, we pitched a tent, we went to the side of the road, and just uh, we slept until the crack of dawn. And as early as we could wake up, we started hiking uh, on Rainy Pass. And Rainy Pass is the, uh, one of the highest elevation points in the North Cascades, but it was the middle of July, so we kind of expected pretty temperate weather. Uh, but once we got about three quarters of the way to the peak, we found snow, and quite a bit of snow actually. And we were the first ones up the mountain that day. And I don't know if you know, but when it snows overnight and you're the first person up the mountain, you don't really see a lot of footprints and you don't see a lot of trail. Uh, so throughout the day, it took us much longer than we had hoped, but throughout the day, we eventually made our way up to the peak. But this hike was a loop. And so we weren't going down the same way that we were coming up. And so once again, we had to go down the mountain, but there were no footprints. We kind of found ourselves sliding down these uh, sides of the mountain because we saw a trail uh, pretty far off. But at some point we were just lost. We really couldn't find our way out. And a kind gentleman came up to us. I'm not sure how he found us, uh, but he said, hey, do you guys need help? And of course we accepted his offer and all four of us uh, worked our way down the mountain and we safely made it back. When I think of these times that I got lost in my life, uh, I think of physical times, places where I didn't know where to go. And I think probably a lot of you would think of the same thing when we get lost, but I also remember times when I got lost spiritually, which honestly might happen more. In his letter, James has given many instructions on things we ought to be doing, things that God has called us to do to be imitators of Christ. But sometimes doing this is hard. We face temptations, we face distractions that might cause us to wander. And James understands that. So he offers some advice to the church about that very idea. So let's take a look at James 5, verse 19 through 20. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. This verse, along with the book of James, has a really common message that faith is not done alone. Faith that works is a group effort. 
If we zoom out here and look at just this chapter, we see right before uh, verse 19 and 20, James is telling the church to pray for one another, to pray with one another. This entire book is about how we should interact with other Christians and other people in the church. And we know that James is not the only one to talk about this. In Romans 1, we see Paul telling the church, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Paul is telling the Romans that he is excited to see them, to hear about them, to hear their stories, to hear their testimonies, so that they both can be encouraged. You guys, this is why we have small groups. We do all these things so that we can do life together, so that we can have faith together, so that we can encourage each other. And I think this gets a lot often because we like to be very individualistic. We like to do things on our own. It's, it's an American staple that we can do it ourselves. But that's so opposite to the message that the Bible has for us. Faith that works is a group effort. And I'm not saying that you need to be crutched up against somebody else's faith. If your parents are Christian or you were raised Christian, you might have just gone to the church because it's what your parents did. If a friend invited you, you might just go because it's the nice thing to do and you might continue going because you don't want to hurt their feelings. But that's not what we're asking you to do. That's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying that we need to do faith together. Whenever I have the fortunate opportunity to lead somebody to Christ, I try and make sure that I connect them with as many Christians as possible so that in the case that I am no longer a part of their life, they have other people that can lead them as well. But there are three specific reasons or three important reasons that the Bible gives us that, for why we need to do faith together. Number one is to speak and do the truth. Number two is to encourage one another. And number three is to see an example. Let's look at number one, to, uh, to speak the truth. I can give this sermon as an example, me speaking to you, or even a sermon that you might hear on Sunday from Pastor Brad. Here at Alderwood, it's always our goal to make sure that we are preaching the Bible correctly and with love. At ASM, every Monday, we have what's called teaching team meeting, where us on the ASM staff talk about the message that we are going to be preaching the following week. Uh, we create an outline, we talk to whoever's going to be preaching, and we guide them through the passage. We work together for accountability to make sure that we are speaking truth. Then the week of the passage, or when the preacher is speaking, that person will give an abbreviated sermon to the teaching team so that we can make sure what they are saying is true and right. And that goes often beyond sermons. In your friend group, hopefully you have a Christian friend who will call you out if something that you say is incorrect. Maybe you're uh, sharing information about the Bible with a non-Christian friend and, and you might mess up and, and that's, that's okay, we're human. And that's, that's why you have Christian friends or your small group to help you and help guide you. You can also look at ASM in, in our small groups. Uh, the purpose of small groups is to study the passage or study the Bible and learn to do so. The students are here to uh, have a conversation and to discuss the passage, especially as you get older in high school. And your small group leaders are there to make sure that what you are saying is true. And like I said, oftentimes we might mess up. We're human. We might get things wrong. And that's okay. But that can be pretty discouraging. And you might feel like you totally dropped the ball or, or missed an opportunity or even messed up an opportunity. But that's why our fellow believers are there to not only correct us, but to encourage us. Which leads us to number two. We do faith together so that we can encourage one another. 
I'm going to read that verse from Romans once again. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Paul is an absolute rock star in the church. He is somebody who we want to model our faith after, but he is also telling the church that he is encouraged by the church. He's not arguing that he is a better Christian than another. He is saying that he wants to be encouraged by the church. In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, puts us beautifully. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. In Mark, we even see when Jesus sends out his disciples on a mission, he sends them out in groups of two, not only to protect each other, but to be with each other and encourage one another because it's difficult. I hope that through some of this, you can see the importance of small groups. We don't do small groups because it's what we think we should do or what we've always been doing. We do it because we know that fellowship in Christ just beats individualism. And that's the last reason we need to do faith together, is so we can see an example of Jesus. This ties really well into the last point of encouragement, but if, if you're paying attention, I would hope that you might be thinking to yourself, well, I'm not Jesus, you're not Jesus, and my small group leader is not Jesus, so how can I see an example of that? And you're right, you're not Jesus, your small group leader isn't, no one in this room is, no one watching the video is. But we're called to be imitators of Christ. And though we might mess up, we're also going to get some things right. And that's why you're here, and that's why you're with a small group, so that when you get those things right, when, you're, when the people in your small group get those things right, you can see that and encourage them, but also emulate it so that we can encourage each other and watch, and watch each other to be more like Christ. I'll give you an example of my friend Ryan. Ryan is an absolute rock star. Uh, if he's not praising Jesus, he is sharing the gospel with other people. He always has a smile on his face. He always uh, says hi to everybody in the room. And whenever he's having a conversation with you, he just makes you feel like you have all his attention and that he wants to hear everything about you. And honestly, I could learn something about the way that Ryan interacts with other people. Sometimes I'll use my mask as an excuse not to smile or I find it really difficult to say hi to everybody in a room or I'll just be selfish and I'll just want to talk about my own stuff going on in my life. I could learn something from the way that Ryan emulates Jesus. And the same is true for you and, and the people who are sitting in your room or the people in your small group. Even if you're at different places in your faith, you can still be encouraged from one another. Like I was saying, Paul was telling the Romans that he can still be encouraged by them and vice versa. He tells the Corinthians church in uh, chapter 11, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. I find it hard to believe that Paul would admit that he is the best Christian in the world because he's just too humble. So he clearly is telling the Corinthian church that he wants to be encouraged by them and they should be encouraged by him. But they should also imitate Paul because Paul is imitating Christ. And I, and I know that Paul would be doing the same with the Corinthian church. But that leads us to the question, what if somebody what doesn't want to do any of this? What if somebody just wanders away? What if somebody gets distracted? That's the main idea of this passage, right? What if somebody just decides outright they don't want to do it anymore? 
And the simple answer is listen. Ask questions and listen. As much as we might want to try and explain to people who have walked away from the church or people who aren't Christians why they should come back, why they should join, why they should come to ASM, sometimes we just need to listen and ask questions. When Austin and I were lost on the mountain, if that man hadn't come up to us and just asked if we needed help, we would have stayed lost. And in our faith, I think at times we can all acknowledge that we need help. So let's extend a hand to our brothers and sisters who have wandered away from following Jesus. Maybe you're watching this video and you're giving it one last shot. You're just waiting to see, maybe this is for me. Maybe this is the first time you've ever been introduced to the gospel. Maybe you're just trying to figure out if this is for you. And I would encourage you to take this time and ask questions. Reach out to a small group leader, reach out to ASM and ask questions. And I can promise you that your small group leader, your small groups and, and our ASM staff will listen. We are here for each other so that we can speak the truth, encourage one another and see an example. And as I'm finishing up here, I'm gonna pray for us, but I want you to think about a few of these questions as you go on with your day. Have you ever found yourself wandering from the truth, maybe in a spiritual lull? If so, what brought you back? How can you better approach your brothers and sisters who have wandered away from the church or wandered away from the truth of Christ? And how can you more effectively do faith together with other people? Let me pray. God, I thank you so much for this time today. I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to learn about you, God, that we are able to worship you freely, that we are able to talk about you freely, Lord. I thank you so much for the gift that you have given us of the Bible and of, of the people who wrote these letters, Lord. I pray that we can take this to heart, that you will open our hearts to the message of your word. And in your name we pray, amen. All right, thank you so much for joining us and we will see you next week. Thank you.